Welcome to the Beyond the Box Score podcast. This is your host, David Kaplan. In this episode, I interview Dan Fickey. Coach Fickey is currently the head coach at Belmont Abbey. Coach! David, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing well. I apologize. No problem, man. Uh, coach, go ahead and give yourself a brief introduction to the listeners. Yep. Uh, how are you doing? This is Dan Fickey, the head men's basketball coach at Belmont Abbey College. Okay. Um, been having the Zoom meetings and all that stuff we're going through with the pandemic? Yep. Yeah, we've been um, going through quite a few of those the, these past few months and uh, uh, obviously as well with uh, – the, the state of the country the last couple of weeks, uh, having a lot of meetings internally and then with the team about those as well. What's it, what's it been like as far as, you know, obviously craziness that's going on in this country um, and not being able to really, you know, be there and go out and, you know, touch your players, you know, just be there physically. What's it like to try to have these tough conversations, uh, you know, through the internet basically? Um, I think, I guess it's, it's somewhat a, a way of the new, new normal, um, thanks, thanks to COVID. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's great that we live in a, a time where we have the technology to stay as connected as we can, but it is extremely hard to have conversations as, as delicate and as important as the ones we've had to have the last two weeks. Uh, through a digital platform and, and not being able to, especially with conversations that bring up such raw emotion, uh, be able to be with each other and, and um, you know, see each other face to face. Okay. Good stuff. Uh, you know, coach, talk about your upbringing. I know that you had a very successful high school career, uh, you know, played at the division one level. Yeah. Talk about all that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, grew up in Denver, Colorado. Uh, went to Regis High School there, and and had a very good high school career. I was probably a better high school player than uh, you know, definitely a better high school player than a college player, and and uh, was recruited at the, the Division three and, and Division two level, and I had that D one dream like many kids do today, and and chose to uh, go to Loyola Maryland in Baltimore for for Jimmy play for Coach Jimmy Patsos. Um, as a walk-on actually my first year and then I earned a scholarship for my final three and um, you know, it was a, just a, a great experience for me it was something that as I looked at the recruiting process you know I, I wanted the D1 uh, environment I wanted the, the education and, and the size and fit of Loyola because uh, it was very similar to my high school um, in terms of Jesuit college and uh, but and I also loved Coach Patsos from the the beginning in the recruiting process. So it was a great place, and and I was a kind of a I told someone today I was a, a garbage man on on those teams. I was a whatever coach needed. Uh, I was a you know an active practice player and a, a guy that when I got my minutes just tried to make the most of them. Okay. Um, yeah, you mentioned you played under Jimmy. Talk about what you remember for about playing for him and your relationship with him now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, playing for him, um, you know, he was in some ways like a larger than life figure. I mean, his personality, um, you know, his storytelling, his knowledge. He's one of the most intelligent people I've ever been around and, and well read, uh, you know, history major and, and just really brought that aspect to us. I think we're very fortunate as a group um, to have Jimmy because of his ability to uh, 
you know, take us to things beyond basketball to expand our horizons. We went to plays on Broadway. Uh, we went to, uh, you know, the hotel where Martin Luther King was shot. We went to the Muhammad Ali Museum. Um, and, and his goal, I think, was really to, you know, help us grow and, and expand outside of just the world of basketball. Um, and I thought Jimmy was was tremendous uh, motivator and, and a tremendous guy at uh, making sure his players knew how much he loved them off the floor. And, you know, still to this day, um, you know, I'll talk to him every every couple of weeks and, and check in with them or get his advice on things that, um, you know, now, especially sitting in this head coach's seat, maybe he can help me with. OK, um, you know, you graduated in 2009 with a bachelor's degree in business administration. Uh, and then you got your MBA in 2010. Yep. So I uh, with with at the D1 level, uh, you know, a lot of times summer school is mandatory. And so with that, some guys will take a, a lesser class load to ease the, the school year during the season. I stayed with the full class load plus summer school. So I graduated early um, and, and was able to start my master's my final year of eligibility. And then in my last year, of my master's. Um, when I had finished playing, it was actually where I got to, to scratch my coaching itch for the first time at Boys Latin High School in Maryland and was given the, the JV head job, got to help out with the varsity a little bit. And, and you know, it was really there that I, I knew for sure uh, coaching was, was my passion and, and what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Awesome. Who was the uh, the varsity coach back then? Uh, his name was Jeff Parsons. Um, he's now the AD at Archbishop Spalding. Um, but he, he was the coach there. I think he coached, I think he was the head coach at Spalding for a little bit. Um, and, and is now the AD there. My, one of my uh, college teammates actually played at Spalding with, with Rudy Gay. His name was Marquis Sullivan. Okay. I was going to say, I definitely, when I hear Spalding high school, I always think Rudy Gay in that high school dunk contest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I recall hearing that you had some injuries during your college career. Correct. I did. I did uh, torn labrum my freshman year, um, and, and a number of a number of ankle injuries throughout the the rest of my career. Um, but the, the shoulder injury was was probably the biggest one that that sidelined me my freshman year. Do you feel like that helped you become a better coach? Just because you you knew you weren't going to be on the floor, you were hurt, you were you know you were getting DNPs, that you were seeing the game any different? Uh, a little bit. Um, I, I think it more so refreshed my my love for the game um you know i think especially as a freshman in college it's easy to get distracted um you know you you've got a lot of things going on you're a whole away from home for the first time now you add a a red shirt into that um and you're not always in the demand of having to go to practice and that but being able to you know stay focused and still be around the team and then just that desire to, man, I, I just want to be out there. And I think it really, it fueled that competitive fire. Um, and, and just, yeah, the, the outside looking in piece of it, um, you know, I think did help me. I, I think it also, um, you know, just gave me a different perspective for those guys that, you know, you feel like a high school senior, you're getting a college scholarship or a college spot on, on a team and you're invincible. And then boom, like that, you know, within the first summer of before your freshman year, um, you know, you get sidelined and, and the whole year is gone. Okay. So after graduation, you accept the job at Wake Forest, correct? Yes, that is correct. 
Okay. Who was the coach back then and what were you hired as? Yeah, absolutely. So um, after finishing up uh, grad school, it was kind of in the, the ending of my grad school time. Um, Jeff Buzdelic was hired from the University of Colorado at Wake Forest. And I had a, had known Jeff uh, from his time with the Denver Nuggets, uh, obviously being from Colorado and my dad having coached there in the 80s with Doug Moe and was fortunate enough that Jeff gave me an interview uh, for his assistant Dobo spot. And um, it was able to to get that position. Um, and so I, I was our assistant Dobo and really helped with classes, meal, um, you know, planning meals, planning travel, uh, making sure guys were up and awake and ready to go to class, uh, extra, you know, making sure guys had a guy to rebound for them for extra workouts, um, you know, all, all kind of the, the behind the scenes tasks that, uh, when you think about coaching and, and wanting to be a coach, uh, you have no idea what really goes into it. Um, and, and that experience was was extremely vital for me to to really understand, you know, from the ground up uh, how a program is run. OK, um, so you later got promoted to what, was a special assistant to the head coach. Yeah. So each each year, my title changed there. Uh, my second year was video coordinator. Um, and then my, my last year was special assistant to the head coach. And, um, I think it was like recruiting director of scouting and recruiting, something like that. Um, and, and so those, those two years as video coordinator and, and special assistant really, I think were the years that really, uh, really helped me establish my foundation and, and, uh, really grew my knowledge of the game because I just all I did was watch film, you know, I, whether it was helping the assistants with scouts, watching our own film, uh, special assistant. I would do projects for Coach Buzdelic, uh, whether it's watching other teams and, and things that they were doing that he thought could be good for us and analyzing that and breaking it down. Uh, so the, those two years in the video room in, in Winston were, uh, I think, as instrumental in, in anything that I've done to to helping me grow as a coach. Okay. So you mentioned your, your father a little bit, that he coached in the NBA. I know he did some scouting. Talk about what it was like growing up, uh, you know, with a dad who was an NBA assistant coach, an NBA scout. Yeah. Um, you know, very fortunate in terms of the access that I had to uh, be around the game and, and some of the, the greatest minds in the game. Um, you know, things that I think at the time I definitely took for granted, being able to go to, to practices um, at, of the Philadelphia 76ers with Allen Iverson and Larry Brown there uh, being able to go to, to the university of Colorado when Ricardo Patton was the head coach and David Moe, Doug, Doug Moe's son was an assistant and, and be able to, you know, sit at practice. Um, you know, similarly, you know, being able to be around Kansas and Bill Self and Roy Williams. And um, I definitely didn't understand at the time how lucky I was, but, but now looking back um, just the the access I had to be around great minds and great basketball was uh, just, you know, really, really uh, fortunate for me. And, and, you know, I'm grateful for that. It, but my relationship with my dad, I think um, I didn't appreciate him at the time either uh, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, as he would coach me for a while and, and I was kind of the stubborn kid that wanted to do anything that his dad didn't know about. So I really went away from basketball early on and hockey was my favorite sport because my dad knew nothing about it. And then, Eventually, I came back to basketball in high school and just fell back in love with it. And and now it's really special, um, you know, for me because it's created a, an opportunity since I've started coaching for me and my dad to really bond and, and take our relationship to the next level. Because he'll, you know, he would 
come on road trips with us. He'll come on recruiting trips with me. And it's just a, a chance for me and him to bond over the game we both love and, and tell stories and, and even for, for him and I to, to meet people that you know have been a part of his life before I even was a part of it. Okay. Awesome. Um, so from Wake Forest, you move back to Maryland to coach your alma mater, Loyola, Maryland. Talk about how it was to come back to your old stomping grounds and the importance of alumni hires. You know, I think it's, it's um, you know, it, I was very fortunate that Coach Smith, uh, Gigi Smith, allowed me to be his third assistant. And I'm sure he had a vast uh, array of candidates, especially even from from Loyola, um, and, and that he picked me. But I, I think alumni hires are extremely important because uh, you want to really connect with your alumni. I mean, that, that is the, the past of your program and, and you want your guys that are currently in the program to understand the history and then who came before them. And I also think it's great to have guys that, you know, even for me, having not been so far removed, um, you know, know the, the day-to-day struggles of, of the athletes there, the, the ins and outs of the classes, the professors, um, the academic advisors, you know, know kind of the, the things that the kids are going to be doing off campus so you can make sure to, to keep guys out of trouble and, and away from the things they shouldn't be doing. Um, so I, I think alumni hires are, are, are very important um, just because it keeps that, that connection to the past. And, and that's, to me, the, one of the best things about college basketball is, is the, the environment that you can create a, a true family around a program and, and that guys want to come back 10, 15, 20 years later and remember those days because those were some of the most impactful and, and influential in their lives. Oh, I couldn't say it better myself. So after uh, two years at Loyola, you moved back to your home state of Colorado, accepting a job at the University of Denver under uh, Rodney Billups. Well, so I originally, I originally actually went went uh, there with Joe Scott. Um, just- and then, you know, for me, it was uh, an opportunity – uh, to to move up somewhat in in the role of assistant, I was third with with uh, with Coach Smith, and and was the second assistant with with Joe that first year, and w- was fortunate enough to to get back home. You know, I think that was a big thing. My fiance and and now wife at the time, uh, fiance at the time, wife now uh, was is also from Denver, and it was one of those things as as you know in coaching. Um, Home is, is wherever school you're at at the time and, and your, your true home, you don't very often get to go back to. And so for me, having that opportunity um, and, and I had tremendous respect for Coach Scott and, and um, you know, him is a, a bas- his great basketball mind and, and was really looking forward to, you know, for me expanding to another you know, branch of, of my coaching tree, so to speak, that I've worked for. Uh, to to just get another side of the game, another thought process, another offensive and defensive philosophy to help me grow. Uh, and then, yeah, being back home and, and living uh, across the street from my dad, uh, you know, not a bad deal either. Okay. So, you know, you mentioned you've worked under, uh, you know, a number of head coaches. What, what have you learned? I would say one – who have you learned the most from and to, you know, kind of something you've gotten from each coach that you've worked yeah, with? Um, yeah, I think it, I've gotten so much from all of them. It's hard to pick just one. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, co- even back to Coach Patsos and playing for him, you know, 
I mean, there, there's nobody that worked harder to promote his program than Coach Patsos when he got to Loyola, the one that was better at engaging alumni. Um, and in a lot of ways, uh, he's one of the best motivators I, I've ever been around uh, when, it, when it comes to getting your guys fired up and ready to play. And also just the relationships he built with us off the floor. Um, you know, Coach Bozdelic, just a, an unbelievable basketball mind. I mean, the uh, I, I hope to to know half the basketball he's forgotten by the time I'm done because uh, being around him and, and also the the organization and attention to detail with which he he ran the program at Wake Forest. Uh, you know, those jobs at that level are extremely hard and and um, success is not easy in any coaching job. But when you're in the best conference in the world in the ACC. Um, you know, it's, it's even harder. And, and so, but just to be around him and, and even the assistants at the time, Rusty LaRue, um, Walt Corbin was there. Mark Pope was there for a little bit. Jeff Battle, uh, who's been a tremendous mentor for me, who's at Providence now. Um, even those assistants I took a lot from. And then, you know, Joe, uh, Joe Scott was another great motivator um, that also with the Princeton offense, just another way of, of looking at the game. Um, and then also his zone defense was something that I, I kind of implemented this year. Um, not as, as thorough or as in depth as what we did in Denver, but you know, the, the skeleton of it. And then, um, you know, Rodney as well. And, and I, I didn't mention Gigi, Gigi also, um, you know, was just kind of starting your program and, and, you know, taking over for someone who'd been successful and, and, how do you follow up from that and, and try to continue that success and, you know, learn how hard that can be at times too, especially with switching conferences and, and things like that. And, um, and then with Rodney, I, I think, um, you know, with coach Billups, so just uh, another tremendous opportunity to, to learn from a, a coach who, who worked for one of the, one of the coaches I consider to be very, one of the top coaches in the game now with Tad Boyle. Um, and, and Coach Billups was a great players coach. Like he really connected with our guys and really got them uh, to compete for him. And, and he was a really good teacher of the game, especially, um, you know, offensively and, and defensively, just the ins and outs. And, and I think for him, his NBA background with his brother and spending time at that level, um, it really brought another perspective. So I think it was for me. Uh, you know, those things and, and just with every head coach I worked for, the, the things that I really liked, I, I would pick and, and put in my, my notebook for one day if I ever got the chance and, um, you know, tried to mesh those together for what I truly believed in and, and then find my voice uh, within that. That's great. Now, you mentioned, you know, some of the assistants that you worked with. Which school had the best coaches <laughs> games? I know. Coaches sometimes play at lunch or whatever. Who was the best group to play ball? Um, you know, I think it, the the at Wake Forest we probably had the the most runs when I was there. Um, the women's staff had guys that played. We would, they would bring other alumni back. Um, you know, at at uh, and then you had you have you know two. Uh, college Hall of Famers probably in Rusty LaRue and, and Randolph Childress <laughs> that, that played in those games at times, um, you know, the, the talent there. And, and uh, but the probably the, the, the best games were, were probably in Denver. We our staff, myself, Coach Billups, Dwight Thorne, uh, who was our director of ops, uh, Coach Rubisam, who's with me now. Um, and then we had uh, one other of our, our support staff members, we, we would go on the road in the Summit League and, and everywhere else we played and try to get that manager 
um, you know, coaches games. And, and we would do that. We'd play the night before our games and, and kind of, you know, try to knock off some of that stress you feel leading up to a game. But um, I, I, I'm not sure I could run up and down right now after uh, three months in quarantine, but uh, I definitely need to get back out there. Uh, makes <laughs> two of us, man. Um, so you're, I, I read that you're on the board for your late mother's yeah. charity. Talk about the importance of the charity and keeping her memory yeah, alive. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, you know, Obviously, the the fight against cancer is is one of those things that that touches everybody. Um, you know, regardless of where you come from, your background, um, your, your race, your creed, or your color, that um, you know, cancer touches all of us. And so, my sophomore year of college, I lost my mom um, to uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, you know, and and it was an extremely difficult time, as as that can be when it happens to anybody. Um, and and you know, for me, what got me through that was basketball and Coach Patos and my teammates. And, and another reason that, you know, for me, I wanted to get into coaching. But the the foundation actually came to be, um, you know, a number of years later um, when we obviously wanted to honor her memory. And, and she was just, you know, such a kind and, and giving person to, to everyone that she met. We wanted to find a way to honor that legacy. And um, it, it kind of started off my dad's in a similar way like that. Um, but after 9-11 happened, um, my dad has a New York pizza place in, in Colorado and it's from New York originally. And, and his good buddy was a fireman, fortunately off that day, but lost uh, a number of, of his fellow firefighters from his house. Um, and so my dad gave everything away in, in his restaurant a week later and raised all the proceeds, um, at donations, you know, everything was free, just donate to the cause of the firefighters. Um, and, you know, sent that money back to New York. He did it again a month later. Um, we were very fortunate. The people in, uh, you know, in Denver and, and Highlands Ranch area where the restaurant is, uh, just came out again in, in full fledged support of the cause. And so it came to birth out of the memory of my mom and then my dad's kind of passion as a New Yorker, uh, to not want to let 9-11 ever, um, you know, be remembered as, as a, you know, a bad, you know, kind of good from the bad. And um, so now every year on 9-11, um, he gives away everything in his restaurant for free um, and just asks that people would donate minimum of what their check might be. So if you've got a, a large cheap pizza, um, you know, please donate, you know, 15 to 20 bucks and, and that would be greatly appreciated. Um, and, and so once he started doing that about two years into it, um, you know, after nine 11 had happened, you know, how do we keep people interested in Colorado, um, to, to make this day a, a day that we never forget and in, but in a positive way. And then how do we bring my mom's legacy into that? And, and so, um, what we came up with was the day of giving, um, and creating a charity, um, that kept all the money we raised in Colorado to fight and, and aid families that are dealing with cancer. Um, you know, it was very important for us that uh, Colorado is our home. It's where my mom spent uh, her entire time battling the disease. And, and so we wanted to make sure that those families that came out and are giving their money to our cause, um, you know, if they ever needed it, would actually get get that money to help them. And, and so the Joanne B. Ficke uh, Cancer Foundation donates 100% of, of everything that we raise to it's I think five or six organizations now 
um, that are either research-based, um, children's hospital, obviously the children's uh, pediatric cancer wards, um, and then different um, you know cancer uh, groups within within Colorado to help uh, fight fight the disease, aid families that can't afford the care, and then also uh, research, like I mentioned before. So it's um, you know it's been something that's been a, a passion, obviously, for my father and I, but we're. Uh, just the, the people that provide the the, the medium are our patrons of the restaurant and, and the people of Colorado who have continuously donated over the years. My, my mom passed away in um, it was 2007. And then so now we're, we're 13 years later and, um, you know, people are we're still getting close to raising 100,000 every year in, in one day. And, and we don't. That's not us. That's the people that come out and, and show up every single year. And, and a lot of them, too, are people from out of state that just know my dad and believe in the cause or Coloradans that have moved, um, you know, out of out of town. but wanted to stay in touch with it. That's great. No, I hear Big Bill's New York pizzas. Yeah, you, you got to get out there and and, uh, and check it out. It's uh, the, the best pie this this side of the Mississippi. That's for sure. What's your uh, it just depends on how long I've been away from home. Um, my, my favorite, I mean, traditional, just the cheese or pepperoni is great, but I, I do love uh, white pizza with, with pepperoni and chicken on it. That'd probably be my, my specialty go-to. And now I got to ask this because one of my best friends would be mad if I don't do pineapple. Does pineapple Absolutely not. Pizza? Pineapple and, and Canadian bacon do not belong on pizza. <laughs> And you shouldn't be dabbing it with a uh, with a napkin before you eat it either to get the grease off. And you definitely shouldn't use a, a fork and knife to eat it. <laughs> okay. Do you have to pay extra to hear your dad's? Uh, no, stories? fortunately, if you show up to the restaurant, you get to hear those for free. And and if you really want a good story, and you're in Colorado, um, well, not now anymore, but once things get back, hopefully to to normal. Uh, noon, uh, like noon to two at Big Bill's is kind of the roundtable lunch where you never know who's going to show up. And uh, he sits around and, and tells stories with all his buddies. So it's it's definitely quite the time. Uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting him twice and uh, definitely. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So last July, you became the head coach of Belmont Abbey. Uh, your father was a standout player there back in the day under uh, Al McGuire. What about Belmont Abbey made it a job? Yeah, um, yeah, I think, of course, the, the family piece is is a huge deal. I mean, uh, to get the head coaching job the same year my dad's going into the, the Hall of Fame, um, it was, you know, I mean, you can't write a better story, I guess, in a lot of ways. But um, as I got to know the school, both through him and then also through the interview process, and, and what a lot of people probably don't know is, I had interviewed for the job three years ago uh, when, when coach Billy Taylor was hired and um, I, I was in the final mix, but, but came up short and you know how it goes. You kind of think you're ready, think you're ready. And, and I truly know now after this past year, I was not as ready as I would have thought I was at the time. And, and they, they made a tremendous hire in, in coach Taylor who uh, took a program that had, you know, had been very good under coach uh, Steve miss our AD had struggled a little bit when he moved to the AD role. Uh, and then Coach Taylor really resurrected the program. And, and um, you know, I was very fortunate to take over this past year when I did and inherit a great, great group of young men and, and two incredibly talented seniors 
but the job for me, uh, as as we talked about, you know, taking down your notes as an assistant when you're getting ready to, to become a head coach or hopefully to become a head coach, um, you know, you try to draw out what does your program look like? And, and that's in every area. It's the X's and O's. It's the culture. It's the things you're going to do on a day to day basis and, and um, what you want it to look like for me. It was always about wanting to have a program where my guys and knew that I was trying to help them develop as much off the court as on it and, and use the lessons we all learned through basketball um, and, and trying to become great at that to help them develop in, in their lives. And, and I felt the calling to that because that's how I felt my coaches helped me, um, you know, youth coaches, Coach Patsos, um, the, even the coaches I've worked for along the way have all helped me grow and, and become uh, the person I am now. And um, I wanted to sort of, I guess, pay it back with, with what I did with my life uh, and, and help others in, in that same way. And I just happened to love basketball. And, and um, you know, I, I hope that while, while we try to win some games, um, you know, we really truly have an impact in our guys' lives. And so Belmont Abbey is a place where, you know, our mission is to form and develop um, our, our student athletes and our students in body, mind, and spirit. We're obviously a Catholic school, um, a, a small, small Catholic school here in North Carolina. But um, you know that mission really resonated with me. And and going to a place where the the school from the from the chancellor and the president down to the um, you know the janitors all truly care about how um, our student athletes are developed and that they as people grow and become better for having come to this place. Um, was really attractive to me. And then, and then you add in the history, uh, Al McGuire, Kevin Eastman, Greg Marshall was an assistant here. Um, you know, they've had tremendous coaches. There's been success as a program. Uh, so all those things together, um, you know, I, I just felt it was a perfect fit for me. And, and obviously I loved uh, my time in, in Winston-Salem and, and North Carol- being in North Carolina again was, was also very attractive. Okay. You know, I'd say you guys did a, a pretty darn good job in your first year. You guys won 20-plus games. Uh, your coaching tree has already grown after Ryan Saunders was named the head coach at Converse. Uh, how would you grade yourself um, after year one? Man, I, I don't know. I think that's a loaded question. I, I um, <laughs> You know, I think I, the year was a roller coaster is the best way to put it. You know, I think um, for me it, it's – you know, without our seniors, Daquan Abram and, and Romeo Ferguson, uh, we don't have the kind of year we had. I mean, those two, obviously, from the numbers standpoint, I think they averaged around 45 points a game. Uh, each of them averaged, you know, over five rebounds a game. Romeo was defensive player of the year uh, in our league. Without those two, you know, you see the numbers, but really it was that they allowed me to coach them. They, they bought in to me and, and to my vision for where the program was going to go and what I felt it would take for us to stay um, and, and stay where they were and, and then maybe take that next step to get to the NCAA tournament. Um, without those two buying in, there's no way the other, you know, 13 or 14 do because those are your, your two best players and, and your leaders. Um, and so, you know, I, I think, I definitely learned a lot and grew uh, tremendously as the year went on. But with the, I was fortunate enough to inf- inherit uh, such a great group. And, and we have a great freshman class with, uh, you know, Charles Solomon and, and Quest Aldridge and, um, you know, Ryan Schaffer. And, and then our sophomore point guard, Sean Halloran, started every game since he's been here. 
Uh, and even, you know, a couple of the guys we recruited late, uh, Coach Saunders and myself, uh, before Coach Rubusam got in, Bosco Bojevic and, and Tyler Wilson came up and, and were huge for us. But for us, it was kind of a tale of two two seasons a little bit. We we were nine and three at Christmas break, which was, you know, for me, very new having that week off that Division Two requires uh, from your final game at Christmas till your next, um, you know, practice afterwards. And, and we were hot going into the break. Um, you know, ended with a tough exhibition game at High Point. Um, you know, they played really, really well um, up at their place and, and took care of us. But come on. Hey, in fairness, you were playing a double. Yeah, that is true. That is true. But, uh, you know, and, and the design for that was that's what our conference tournament is like. You got to win two games in a row um, to, to do that. So I wanted to see where we were at. And, and obviously when you play uh, Coach Smith and and – you know, Division One program, you're really testing yourselves on that on that back to back of it. But so we were nine and three, and and I think um, you know a lot of people knew Romeo and Daquan, uh, and and so that's why we were picked first. And and we did have some some hype around our team coming into the year, but no one really understood just how young we were outside of that. Our other um, seven of of nine scholarship players that played last year and and were in uniform every night. Um, were either new or didn't play the year before with Coach Taylor. Or sorry, yeah, six of the nine, because um, Sean Halloran did. And so we were extremely young outside of those three. And in January, we really felt that youth. We had a, a r tough road stretch. I think we played, um, you know, seven out of, of ten on the road or something like that in uh, January and then the beginning of February. And, and we really struggled. Uh, and then fortunately enough, and, and it speaks to the the character and the toughness of our kids, um, they stuck with it. They stuck with me and, and my plan and my vision for for what was going to get us to the NCAA tournament. And we we turned it around and and um, rolled it out in, in February and won, I think, nine straight before we lost in the, the conference finals uh, to Southern Wesleyan, who did an unbelievable uh, – they were an unbelievable team this year. I thought they were, were – were the best team in our league year, um, you know, for the, the course of the season. And, and uh, Nick did a great job with that group. And, uh, but it was, you know, it was just a, it was a roller coaster. I, I don't even know that I could give myself a, a letter grade on it. Uh, it I, I think pass, pass. I think pass. it's uh, by that, by the okay. hair on my chin, you know, you got, uh, you make the tournament, you win 20 games, you're blessed and, and you've had a, a, you know, a fairly good season. I think, you know, for us, some of the things I, I'm most proud of was was the resiliency of our guys. Um, you know, the the fact that we were one of the top defensive teams in our league. You people think about our our offense and and the fact that we, you know, scored 90 a game and and had such a prolific score like DeQuan on our lineup. But um, we led the league in field goal percentage defense. We led the league in rebounding margin, and, and those were two of our top goals as a team uh, when we started the year. And, and so that was for me probably. My biggest point of pride was that we, our guys bought into what we wanted to do on that end of the floor. Um, and, and really, I gave them a lot of freedom offensively because they were a very talented group and, and really, um, really played unselfish. And, and so, um, now Pat, I think definitely pass. You know, unfortunately, the year was cut short with, with co the COVID pandemic. Um, but, um, you know, it, it was a lot of fun, I can tell you that. So you mentioned that the season was cut short. You guys had uh, been selected for the NCAA Division II National Tournament, and uh, you guys were seeded against my guy Josh Shirts and uh, Lincoln Memorial. 
what you got? What was going through your head when you saw um, it? It uh, was uh, one one of those moments I think that you you never forget because we had lost to, to Southern Wesleyan that afternoon down in Spartanburg at, at the beautiful uh, Jerry Richardson Indoor Stadium that Wofford has, and um, we all pretty much thought our season was over. Um, you know, having come in second in the regular season, uh, now with with Southern Wesleyan beating us, we, we thought we had to win to get in. Um, so we, we got back and I gave the guys the option of, of do you want to watch it? And the, the guys that had been there the year before and thought that they were still going to get in, even though they lost in the conference championship, um, we're just like, coach, we, we just can't take it. You know, the, the loss today was so heartbreaking. And, you know, if we don't get in, it's just, you know, I just need to we need some some time and some space. And, and so um, I watched it in the office with our assistants and my dad was in town. Uh, and then actually Daquan and, and a couple of the guys actually came over because I told them I was going to be there. Uh, and it was just kind of that moment where as soon as it happened, we're all jumping around. Then all the guys start FaceTiming each other. And, um, you know, it, it was definitely really special and really exciting. And uh, pretty cool, too, that our women's team, I mean, uh, Jason Williams, our women's coach, is an unbelievable coach. And uh, it was the first time, I think, since the early 2000s that both programs had um, you know, made the tournament and, and gotten at-large bids to the tournament. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, as I think I mentioned to you, I was planning on going in at your game uh, versus Lincoln Memorial. It looked like yeah. a, a really nice pod. Uh, you know, no, absolutely. And, and I think, great. you know, like you mentioned, I mean, Josh does such a great job at Lincoln and them and, and Queens to an extent, like those guys are the standard of, of excellence in this region. Obviously Peach Belt has so many great schools too. Um, but for us, you know, it was kind of that David and Goliath of Belmont Abbey Lincoln Memorial. Um, but for me, it was, all right, I want to see what the best looks like and, and see where we stack up. So I know going forward, you know, where do we have to improve? Because I think, you know, in Division Two, if, if people don't know, it's very regional, right? It's, it's the southeast region for us. And then we play Peach Belt, SAC, and then our league, Conference Carolinas and and you got to first be relevant in your league, and then you hope to be regionally relevant. Um, and, and then ultimately, if you're regionally relevant, you hope that makes you nationally relevant. And so that's kind of our goals and, and my vision for the program. Uh, and and to, to get to that regional relevance, obviously, you got to go through, you know, Queens, you got to go through um, Lincoln, Augusta, Pembroke, all those schools that we, we could have faced in, in that tournament. So I was really excited for it. And hopefully we'll get a chance um, to, to get back to that point. As far as the schedule goes for next year, have you been told of any, you know, I saw that there, the minimum number of contests has been reduced. Have they talked about taking away non-conference? You know, what have you heard and what are you able yeah, to do? Yeah, so um, they, they cut it to 22 and they took away the exempt tournaments that we played in in the past for this year to, to help aid the financial impact of, of COVID. And okay. what we've, for us, we have 18 conference games regardless. So we were, uh, kind of waiting to see what Peach Belt and, and SAC were going to do. And it sounds like there's still going to be some room for the, that, uh, you know, interconference play in the non-conference. We'll have four games. And, and so we're trying to figure out now with everybody, because um, I think Peach Belt and SAC may have two games out of conference because they both have typically 20 league games or the SAC was going to have 24 this year. But um, so we'll, we'll still get some of those. We're talking to the, the schools that we had scheduled ahead of time and trying to figure out, all right, who wants to, to keep those scheduled games? 
who maybe we turn them into scrimmages. Um, and then the biggest thing we're all waiting for is everything's been about academics so far in terms of the planning for the fall of how do we get the kids back? What does that look like? You know, everyone's going to the model Notre Dame first came out with of sending them home at Thanksgiving. And so we're all kind of waiting to see what that looks like for basketball. Um, the talk would be potentially that, you know, the, the men's and women's basketball teams and any dual semester sport would potentially have to stay um, on campus over the, the Christmas break, which typically right in division two is not um, allowed. And, and so there's still some pieces, moving pieces, I think of, of what could happen. Um, but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get a, a full 22 game season out of it and, and have a chance to, to make another run to the tournament. Great. Um, you know, like every program, uh, you know, I saw that mm -hmm. you guys were kind of hit with the transfer bug. Talk the person and the player that Lipscomb is yeah, getting. Um, you know, I, I think even he was probably a little bit shocked just how much his recruitment blow, blew up when, when he went into the portal. Um, you know, coaches from from the, the high highest level reaching out um, uh, about him. And the, the biggest thing I could tell him is the kid is a flat-out winner. Um, you know, he, he wins in everything that he does. He's the ultimate competitor. Uh, he's extremely mature and, and, you know, handles his business on and off the court. He always, always came, you know, to ready to practice every single day. And, and that was the hardest part for me. It's like, you know, you don't want him to go. We had hoped maybe we could convince him to, to double major and stay for his final year. But when kid has a chance to get his graduate degree paid for and, compete at, at the division one level, which has been his dream since he was a kid. It, it's, you don't want to stand in the way of that. And so I, you know, I, I just had, I didn't have anything bad about Romeo to say, cause he was just such an instrumental part of our success. And, and, you know, he bought in to me from day one um, and, and gave me everything he had, which was our conversation after I got hired with him and Daquan was for the next eight months, you give me everything you've got for this program and and we'll figure out what's best for the both of you because Romeo had thought about turning turning pro after this year with him graduating, um, and that's kind of what happened. And and I'm just really happy for him that he gets to to realize that dream and will get his masters paid for. And um, Lipscomb's getting a good one. Um, you know, he defends, he can score. Um, you know, really kind of a, a do it all guy. I mean, he's got point guard abilities, uh, but with size and length, he can really finish and. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy that wants that challenge on the defensive end. He wants to guard the Jordan Floyds of the world, who was, you know, the, the player of the year in our league. And, um, you know, he wants those challenges every night. So they're getting a good one. And, um, you know, just I'm so happy for him. Okay. Let the listeners know you, you talked about your you know, guys returning. Uh, you know, your first full recruiting class. You know, talk about. Yeah. That. So we um, we signed players. three high school kids out of out of Georgia. Um, and uh, I'm really, really excited about those three guys. Um, Prince Davies went to Wheeler High School um, and, and they won the 6A state championship down there. Um, you know, coming from just such a tremendous program um, in Wheeler, the, the history that that program has of producing Division one guys of winning state championships. I, you know, you feel like a kid like that is going to be ready uh, to compete at the college level. And then uh, Chandler Baker from the Walker School, um, just really talented. I think has tremendous upside and is really going to grow into being a, a great college player 
and Jalen Simpson from Campbell High School uh, is just a, a bulldog. I, I think he kind of has that same chip on his shoulder Romeo did. Uh, and when we recruited him, that was what I felt he really could could bring to the table for us is that same kind of, of what we call our, our dog mentality. Um, and then, the you know, we did go with the transfers a little bit. Um, Nathan Davis from Quinnipiac, he, um, you know, is a kid I recruited in high school at the University of Denver. He's from Colorado. Um, and, and so I, I've seen him for so long when, when he came on the, the transfer market, um, he was a, a top priority for us because I really felt he's had some injuries, um, you know, didn't kind of got recruited over and, and didn't get a chance at Quinnipiac after those injuries and, and um, was a kid looking for a fresh start, a uh, humble kid that just wants to go somewhere where he can play and compete for, um, you know, for minutes. And, and he's going to be really good. He's got great length and, and skill, can really shoot it at 6'7". And, uh, and then we also uh, tapped the Division two transfer market as well. Uh, with Urbana shutting down, we, we got a transfer from there, Mario Lacey, who uh, had a really good freshman year for them. And, um, you know, I think brings, uh, you know, unique mix of size, athleticism and 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 a high, high motor. Um, you saw us play. You you saw Ch Charles Solomon for us. And, and Mario really reminds me a little bit of Chuck, uh, just in terms of they both just play so hard and, and they just compete. And for me, that's something I, I love. And, and, you know, I just think you can't teach guys that just go out and get after it every single night. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, you mentioned that your assistant coach is from Denver as well. Um, uh, he was a student, student manager at Colorado and then came over with, uh, with Coach Billups and was a graduate assistant for two years. And then his final year, he was uh, director of, of player development. Uh, for for the University of Denver. Okay, talk about your relationship and uh, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, so you know, got to spend three years with him at Denver, and, and Coach Rubisam um, is just a tremendous worker. Um, you know, he he devotes his blood, sweat, and tears to the program to to make sure he did it at Denver. He does it here to make sure we're successful extremely organized and detail oriented. Um, you know, there's those things, you know, as a head coach, you've got so much going on and, and you need guys that will, um, you know, kind of take the initiative and take things off your plate, maybe handle a situation or two before it gets to you and, and you have to handle it. Um, and, and he's that got that kind of go getter, um, you know, mentality. Uh, and, and again, like I said, very detail oriented, he loves the game uh, and is really a student of the game. And, and I've watched him just just study film uh, in those three years in Denver and, and uh, try to get better. And, and he really ex tries to grow off the court, go into coaches clinics. He's part of rising coaches uh, and really is trying to develop himself uh, within the game. And then also, um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, when I was at Wake Forest, you know, and you, and you first get one of those jobs where you're kind of in the operations or the, um, you know, behind the scenes roles, you're just waiting to get your shot. And, and, and when you get told a lot of times, um, you know, you just you don't have recruiting experience. I can't hire you. Or, you know, when you're an assistant, want to become a head coach, it's well, you don't have head coaching experience. We, we can't hire you. And you need that someone to give you your shot. And uh, Coach Smith, Gigi, gave me that shot at Loyola. Um, and and I you know, wouldn't be where I am today without without him giving me that opportunity. And, 
you know, I felt Coach Rubisam just needed that guy, that that coach, to give him his shot to to get on the road and recruit and be on the floor. And um, you know, he just brings high energy every day. He's relentless on the recruiting trail, um, and and he truly, truly cares about our guys and and is willing to um, do whatever he can to help them grow and and become better players and better men. Okay. Um... That was a segment that we call Start Bench Cut. I think you know how okay. it goes, but I one bench one cut one. Nike Adidas um, Under Armour. That's that's tough. Um I would go start uh start Nike, um bench under armor and cut Adidas probably. Yeah, well, if, if they want to give sure us an Under Armour deal, I can switch that me. really quickly. So, um, I I do love I love Under Armour stuff, <laughs> but um, you know, all the kids want to be Nike, so it's hard to to not uh, want your program to be that way. No Jordan, um, uh, Jordan for one hundred percent, especially what after watching the documentaries the the past five weeks. Uh, who do you bench Man, um, you're gonna, I'm going to get some flack from this from my team if they ever listen to it. Um, I, I just I would uh, I probably would bench Kobe and cut Le, cut LeBron. I think the mentality of of Kobe and and Michael uh, there's something different about that that you don't see anymore. Uh, it's just so rare that the competitive greatness that those two achieved is just something I, I truly admire and and like and and not to say that LeBron isn't one of the most special talents of all time and and um you know in that conversation of, of best player but um Jordan and Kobe's mentalities separate them for me. I couldn't agree more. Uh he got game Hoosiers blue chips uh blue chips uh bench he got game and and cut Hoosiers for me. Okay. Uh, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Cookout. And then uh, I'd cut Bojangles. Now, to my defense, even though this is my second stint in the South, I think I've only had Bojangles once. um, So I I maybe need to give them another chance. Yeah. (laughs) We'll see what we can do about that. Um, Last one. Hoop Dirt, Verbal Commits, NCAA Transfer Portal. Uh, I probably verbal commits when it's recruiting, obviously, uh, hoop dirt for jobs, but, um, you know, I, the transfer portal, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of it. Um, but so I'd, so I'd say that's the one I, I cut in some ways. I think the kids need to have their freedom. Um, it just, it's, it's still in those early stages where it's being developed. And, and so it's, um, still not as easily, easy to work with, I think as verbal commits is and, and hoop dirt um with those things so you know as the ncaa figures out what they're doing with that i I think hopefully it'll grow and be better okay coach what advice do you have for Mm -hmm. you know one coaches trying to get in the business and yeah i think one when you're trying to get in the business um you know you got to do something that that separates yourself Obviously, the relationships, you know, it, a lot of times it's going to be who you know that can get you in the door, but but do something that separates yourself. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that want to do this. Uh, there's not a lot of guys that are willing to 
do whatever it takes to do this. And, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, a kid I, I look have looked at it for, for jobs in the past that was a volunteer at a JUCO and delivered pizza for money. It's like, are you willing to go that extent? Um, are you willing to be a part-time candidate? Are you willing to be a volunteer to get your shot? Um, you know, I, I grew up with the stories of, Bill Self and Calipari working for Larry Brown as his, you know, gophers, as they say, um, you know, getting his dry cleaning and his coffee and, and that. And I think, um, you know, there's something to that, that, you know, are, are you willing to do whatever it takes? Everyone today wants to get paid to do it. Um, and, and I understand that. But, you know, this business is really hard to get into. A lot of guys want to do it. So how do you separate yourself and, and to what lengths are you willing to go to, you know, to reach that goal? Um, I think for moving up the ladder, um, you know, I think it's one of the hardest things is to focus on where you're at um, and, and just be great there um, and be great at what you do and, and hope. And I think through that you will get recognized. Um, it, it is extremely hard because I think the whole business is built on guys. You know, you, you're trying to advance. You're trying to become the second assistant, third assistant, then the associate head coach and then hopefully the head coach and. Um, but I think you got to network and you got to build your relationships um, because guys, when you become a head coach, you want to hire guys that you trust, um, that you obviously believe in their ability to coach and recruit. But, um, you know, with with the way that this game is and this business is um, a, a coaching staff is truly like a family. And, and you you want guys around you that you can trust that are, you know, are going to you know be in the trenches and go through the, the dog days with you. And that you don't have to worry about, um, you know, you know, that have your back. Uh, and so I, I think that's, you know, a, a big piece of it. And, and just, again, same thing there. You know, what are you what are you good, great at that gets people to notice you? Are you a great recruiter? Are you an X and O guy? Um, are you a, a great, you know, guy that makes videos that can get you noticed from being a video guy to an assistant? And, and so you know, finding your, your thing and, and becoming really good at it and then just continuing to push. It, it's not easy. You're going to get told no. Um, you know, like I told you, I, I interviewed for this job and, and I got turned down. I, I interviewed at Metro State um, in, in Colorado and, and was in the final eight and didn't get hired. And, and I can't tell you how many times when I was even at Wake and trying to become an assistant, I was told no. Um, so you can't let no um, stop you. Oh, that's really great advice. Uh, coach, if anybody wants to get in touch with you as far as, you know, reaching um, out, uh, questions. Yeah, any, any of that, you know, social media, it's social, my, yeah, my, or, uh, on Instagram and, and Twitter is at Coach Ficky. Um, and my email, um, Daniel Ficky at, at BAC.edu. Um, shoot me a DM or, or uh, email me, and, and I, I will do my best to get back to you as, as – fast as I can. Um, I think there's something true to head coach brain and, and I'm not as quick as I used to be as an assistant, but um, I, I'll get back to, to anyone that reaches out and, and anyone is welcome, um, you know, to come to a practice, to come to a game, to just come by the office and chat um, at, at Belmont Abbey. We're, we're an open book and, and we love when people come to, to see, you know, what we do and, and how we do it. <laughs> I love it. And I can attest, you do email back. I'm, I was looking earlier today when uh, when I was coaching at South County High School, I'd emailed Coach Smith and yourself, and you emailed me within a couple hours. <laughs> I uh, appreciate it. I've gotten so worse, uh, unfortunately, to say, but 
Um, you know, I, I think that was a big thing that was instilled in me, you know, from day one of, um, you know, again, it's all about relationships in this business. And uh, if you only care about people when you think you can get something from them, uh, you know, that you, you're not going to be very successful. You got to care about people when they can't do anything for you and uh, just just get to know them. So um, that that was something I was passionate about then. And I encourage all my assistants uh, to, to do now to make sure that they return every email that get. And, and I try to do it myself now still uh, just a little bit slower than I used to. Coach, I've, I had forgotten Oof. to ask um, uh, three guests I should have on the see. podcast. Um, I think um, assistants or head coaches, does it matter? Doesn't matter. Whoever yeah. you think people um, could, you know, gain. Uh, I uh, think uh, you know Grant Leonard over at, at Queens does an unbelievable job. I don't know if you, I don't think you've done him yet. Um, he's their their associate head coach, I, I believe, is his title there. I think Jeff Battle, um, the the assistant coach up at Providence, would be a phenomenal person to have on here. He's just such a a, a great person and great coach. Um, and and I think if you could get Jimmy, you got to have Jimmy on the podcast because. Uh, That'll probably be your highest rated episode. <laughs> yeah, I think I might have. To yes, you will. Yes, you will. But it'll be worth lyric. it for, for the viewers. You'll get on that one. Oh, definitely. Coach, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. And I, uh, I look forward to. All right. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, Coach, good to have moves. good to be on here. And then I appreciate you always coming to support us. And, um, you know, can't wait till we can see each other in person again. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Box Score podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave reviews, and rate five stars.